Well, it's a good morning. Um, good morning to Positive Engagement, my podcast channel. Well, today you've caught me on a 10,000 step power walk. Um, this is something I do every day. Usually I do it in the evening, but uh, today, being Saturday, I'm doing it in the morning. As in the afternoon, late afternoon, I spend more time uh, online with students. Um, so I've got a variety of things to talk about today. So please bear with me as I uh, get on with my exercise as well as sharing my thoughts, sharing my ideas with you. As we know, we've just, most of us have witnessed on our TV channels, etc., the dire situation that has taken effect in Afghanistan over the last number of weeks, where there has been a total shift in a country's leadership and future as to where it's going going forward. Now, obviously the jury is still out on where it's going in the future because nobody really knows. I guess not even the Taliban, really. Uh, They say they have changed from when they were last in a leadership role in the country. And I... I'm sure they are, actually. So I'm not one of these doubting politicians of such. The Taliban, I'm sure, have learned a great deal in the last 20 years. In fact, the Taliban leadership and those fighting the American and Allied forces will have changed as well over the last 20 years. Many of them will be f- who have fought will not remember when the, they were last running the country because they would have been too young. And they have, like all of us, learnt about the life, learnt about the world gained knowledge through new technology. Oh yes, it works out there like it works everywhere else. So, I have no doubt there is change. Obviously the jury out is on how much influence, how much can the Taliban form in terms of effective governance in the country? How much control do they have over their citizens, particularly those young fighters who are 
in every city well, most cities and towns across Afghanistan these days. It's got to be with amusement that I listen to our politicians in the, in the West discuss the situation in Afghanistan. Joe Biden, in my opinion, made a huge mistake, a huge wrong judgment call, as has Boris Johnson and other Western leaders. Um, what I don't like is the way they try and declare the job they did in Afghanistan as a success in finding bin Laden and ensuring no terrorism, terrorist groups have grown in Afghanistan in the last 20 years. <coughs> um, well, we know that's not quite true because ISIS are there in Afghanistan, as there are other fractions. As far as the Taliban go, I don't really see them as a terrorist organisation. They're radical in terms of some of their beliefs, maybe, but they just want their country back, and that's all they've fought for. And that's one of the things I want to really talk about. Many people say it's not the same as Vietnam. Many say, particularly the politicians, that leaving Kabul was not the same as leaving Saigon. Well, no, it was worse, in effect. And the worst thing of all, the American forces, the American leadership, learnt nothing from Vietnam. Nothing at all. Vietnam was a war the Americans lost. They lost not through being defeated in the battles on the ground. Because if one looks at the battles on the ground in Vietnam, the Americans won hands down. They had more equipment, they had better fighting skills, they knew how to use it. They had air support, they had air cover, they had modern weaponry. They took more lives, although they lost them themselves. A great deal more lives in, the, in Vietnam than they lost in Afghanistan. They didn't leave, they didn't lose as many as the North Vietnamese. They in fact had a more success rate if it works, works on body counts. But Nevertheless, 
they lost the position, they lost the war. Now why did they lose the war? If they are more powerful in their forces, if they won most of the battles in Vietnam, how come they lose the war? When I was a youngster growing up, I, this always puzzled me a little bit. But of course it became obvious as I became wise. And it was obvious. America was just fighting with a aim of winning a war on foreign soil. North Vietnam and the people of North Vietnam were fighting for their country. They were fighting for a cause. USA would like to think they were fighting for a cause. They were fighting for freedom against communism. Something we were still trying to puzzle out what it was at that particular point in time, but that's what USA was fighting for. They were playing a finite game. They had a start, a purpose to be there, in their view. They had a goal to complete it within a certain time frame, if they could, as the winners. The North Vietnamese, they were playing an infinite game. They were fighting for the long haul. They were fighting for their country. They weren't being equipped with great weaponry. They weren't being paid money to be there with bonuses. They were fighting for their land and they would fight till the end. And the next generation after them will fight for their land and the next generation after that, they're fighting for their cause. They were playing an infinite game. They were in it for the long haul. It wasn't about winning on one particular day. It wasn't about being stronger than their enemy. But it was about having the durability to fight to the end. And that is the difference. And that is the difference between infinite and finite. I think I've talked about that before, and there's been many books written about it, and many speakers have talked about it as well. The difference between finite games and infinite games. For those of you who can't recall that talk, for example, in sport, a finite game is a game with a start, a middle and an end. There are rules and there are players on both sides who understand the rules. Like football. And you start at a point in time and you finish. And the one who has the most goals is the winner. The game doesn't go on forever. It doesn't go on for another two or three hours. That's how it works. 
<laughs> so a finite game, very clear rules, and finite players understand a finite game. An infinite game is different. There are no set rules. There are no identified number of players. Players can join and players can leave when they like. <coughs> There's no finishing time for the game. It goes on. It carries on. It may carry on indefinitely or until one of the opponent leaves morning, morning, or the opponents leave because they run out of money or run out of resources. So an infinite game is totally different to a finite game. Morning. Now, when you have finite players, finite games playing, with players playing each other, who both understand the rules in a finite game, it's fine. When you have infinite games, with infinite players playing each other, <coughs> it is also fine. The difference and why I say it's also fine, infinite players. For example, the Cold War was an infinite game. It was safe, it was easy. Both sides were checking the others out, playing on the weaknesses and strengths of others. There was no deliberate winner or loser with a time frame. The idea was to keep everybody in checkmate constantly as time went on. It became safe, it became a way of living, a way of life. So infinite games where there are infinite players on both sides is workable. Usually the game never ends because if somebody steps away from the game due to lack of resources, lack of money, lack of will, whatever the case is, there is usually other players that fill the space. As what's happened in the Cold War, the Cold War hasn't really ended. It's gone to other areas. It's gone to China. It's gone to Iran. It's gone to North Korea. It's gone to other parts of the world in, with terrorist activities. But it's not really ended. There's no winner or no loser. Now in Vietnam, USA, they were playing a finite game. The problem was the North Vietnamese were playing an infinite game. They were in it for the long term. They were there until USA got fed up and had to leave due to other reasons resource issues, motivation, and they understood that, and that's what happened. Nothing to do with how good their military were, how strong their military were, how equipped, well equipped they were, 
It was all to do with the strength of the uh, will of the North Vietnamese. Now this is exactly what's happened in Afghanistan. Over twice the length of period, with a lot fewer casualties on the American uh, Allied Forces side, because they have lost fewer. The Afghans have lost many. So for Biden to say the Afghans were weak and they didn't, the Afghans gave their lives, most definitely, in this period of time. But they, they also had a, a desire to get their country back. They were playing the infinite game. USA, for two decades, didn't know what game they were playing, obviously. They thought, some of them thought they were playing the finite game and some of them thought they were playing the infinite game. So they confused themselves, they confused the people that were so-called on their side, and they totally stuffed up the end result. So, this lack of understanding the difference of the role is something they haven't learned. They didn't, they, they made a huge error in Vietnam, and they've just repeated it in Afghanistan between infinite and finite thinking in playing a game they didn't have to be in Afghanistan forever if it's clear the Taliban were going to come back it could have been negotiated in a process of understanding but clarity and understanding is something America and Britain lacks when it comes to the ultimate end game in situations like this and that's why I've always said in Britain we're not very good at it when it comes to these sort of things we're very weak at it um, it's the desire I'll give you another example of a desire a colleague of mine we both were talking at the same time of taking up teaching online as a means to learning more about people and understanding and starting the process. Now we started this about a year ago, this thinking process of how we do this and joining an online. It was due to COVID. We were restricted to our homes and couldn't work like we normally do. And it was a way of supplementing income, but also adding value in the world. Uh, so my colleague, like me, has had the same desire on the front, on the surface, but we're very different because he hasn't achieved what I've achieved. It's nothing, I'm not saying I've achieved anything tremendous. What I've, all I've achieved is I've put my mind to do something and done it. We both have busy lives. We both have things to look after. We have 
families to look after or parents to look after all, all other things. We have, we have home shopping deliveries coming in and we have other things going on through our lives all the time. <laughs> so we both have busy things. But I put the process of what I need to get done first. And my colleague has put it further down his list. So he's still, 11 months later, hasn't made that first step. He's getting close to that first step, but he hasn't made that first step. Um, and, look, and I've come across this all the time as well. Going back to my, my days as a student, I remember going to a business talk one time uh, that I had to go and attend in Manchester. I can't remember who the speaker's name, but he was a, who was it, crikey? Jack Cohen, that's it, Jack Cohen, the Tesco founder. It was listening to him talk, he was a particularly good speaker. I was very young, but I thought, well, I want to get into the retail industry and it's probably a good thing to go and hear him speak. And at this particular talk or conference, they're also giving a free breakfast of hot dogs and coffee at the end of the at the end of the talk. And I thought, yeah, that's great. So the talk came to an end. I had my friends with me, colleagues with me who also, and then everyone starts queuing up for the for the hot dogs and the coffee. And there was obviously lots of tables set up there. And there were people serving the hot dogs on the coffee on one side of the table. And there was a massive queue of all those that attended the conference at the other end. I said, all right, guys, let's go and get our hot dogs. And a colleague of mine said, no, no, no. I said, it's free hot dogs. And he said, no, but look at that queue. No, don't worry, I'm the bother. I said, hot dogs. And he said, no, no. And it was through that um, that experience that I realised we're looking at two different things. I was looking at the hot dogs <laughs> and he was looking at the queue. And we were both searching for that retail career. Uh, as it turned out, we both became successful in our retail careers. But it's very easy to get sucked into looking at things that become the main purpose of saying yes or no to a situation. Um, the objective for me was I want a hot dog, so I'm going to queue up for a hot dog. The main issue for my colleague was no, no, there's a queue, it's too long, I can't be bothered to get in a queue. The queue became the, the obstacle, the main cause for everything. Uh, and I'll go back to the issue with this online teaching. Um, a similar situation. My colleague has had obstacles constantly getting in his way to prevent him from doing exactly what I'm doing now. Um, now he could have done it, he could have been on this 10 months ago. He knows it, he knows he could have been on this 10 months ago.
but for a variety of reasons. It's been the Sainsbury's delivery at a certain time. It's been a, a poorly parent. It's been other demands on family or issues that have prevented it happening. Now, it's not that he has more problems than I do. No, we're all, we, are, we are both struggling with, with, not struggling, that's not the right word. We're both living our lives, looking after our families and doing what we need to do every day. Of course, we've got to do shopping. We've got to take people to work. We've got to collect people from work. We're going to get ready, people ready for school. In the middle of it all, we're getting hit with various bugs and diseases ourselves. Some days we feel good, sometimes we don't. So all these things are happening to both of us. One of us has the end goal set and work around things to make it happen. And the other one hasn't been able to do that. That's what the world is made up of generally in this whole process of looking for reasons or excuses not to do something or to avoid doing something. One has a desire and would like to do it. And I think Boris Johnson, going back to Afghanistan, had the desire to stay in Afghanistan. I think with the exception of Turkey, who would stand with him, uh, nobody else wanted to stand with him. France didn't want to, Germany didn't want to, Spain, Italy didn't want to, Canada didn't want to. So it would have made the difference. If the Allied forces all got together and said, okay, we will put our forces into the field of Afghanistan to replace the Americans. And we'll all put in an extra 3,000 troops or 5,000 troops. It could have worked. It could have worked. It could have made things work. Now the dynamics have changed. The Taliban have got the, the chair. And I'm hoping now the Taliban have changed their spots, something the leopard can't do. But I'm hoping they have made significant strides and will enhance and surprise us in their governance of the country. I really hope and pray they do, because they certainly have got the opportunity to do it now and the country deserves it. And if they can pull that off, they will get lots more support from the country. They are playing good lip service on social media and to the net, uh, network media. Let's see if they can deliver. Let's see if they can do it. They are now still playing the infinite game. It's the Americans that have fallen out of the game and the Allied forces, but the Taliban are still playing that infinite game. Their challenges have now shifted 
they are not now in a position in combat across the country. They're in combat in certain locations in the country, but not across the country. And they are probably now, in fact they are now, the better equipped, the better, the better in numbers, but they have now got to govern a country and fight another group with their own view and positions on freedom and movement, who are also playing their own infinite game in this struggle. We, as Britain, don't understand that, lost it. We, as I said in a previous video, or yeah, video, it wasn't a podcast. We had more concerns about Dominic Raab having his holiday and sitting on the beach in Crete instead of phoning his counterpart in Kabul at the time. We, we don't understand issues of Afghanistan at all. We don't understand the politics. We don't understand the culture. And it's us, it is us that have created this fear and terror in people's minds more than anything else we are the ones that have created the fear and the terror the taliban are trying to now fix this situation i'd like to think and win the support but have we really solved the problem of terror breeding in afghanistan are America, are the Allied sources, forces, sources, <laughs> forces, more respected for the work they have done over the last 20 years? No. Have they gained much? No. Oh yeah, they've killed Bin Laden in Pakistan after 10 years at a cost of several trillion. If that's what they want to cause, give them reason for why they should be leaving now. I think that's a small-minded approach of a stupid politician. Who gives me that argument? No, we had the opportunity to build a nation, build a life for people in Afghanistan, and we chose not to do it. We chose not to do it because of our gutless, spineless thinking and political view and, and the lack of understanding of our stupid politicians who go to our idiotic schools and universities being lectured and taught all the wrong things about the world in general. So that's where I am. Anyway, I've just turned it back into my close. So I'm now going to let you ponder and listen to my thoughts. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.